Welcome to the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. Each week, you'll hear testimonies that turned failures into hope, despair into inspiration, and darkness into light, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life to overcome obstacles that can detour our Christian walk. Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now here's your host, the Gospel Girl, Tammy Becker. What if you had a career that had major policies that you had to stick to that were so strict, but then something came up and it challenged your Christian morals? Hi, I'm Tammy Becker. I am the Gospel Girl and founder of YOU Ministries, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Morals versus uh, policies. So, to get started, we're going to jump back in time to the year 1997. I was working in law enforcement. I had been through an academy. I was just starting my career. I'd been in law enforcement in the detention center, working as a deputy for about a little over a year. So I had already been through their detention academy. I knew the policies. I knew the procedures. And I was being groomed for a sergeant in training position. So I had definitely knew what was right and wrong according to the sheriff's office. Now, for those of you that don't know, when you work in law enforcement, we have less rights than the inmates do in the jail. We get questioned on our every tiny move, any decision that we make, any split second thing that happens, we have to document, keep a list of, and also we are held accountable for our actions. So in 1997, there weren't many females working at the Yavapai County Sheriff's Office where I worked, but I was pretty lucky. I had a mentor that was a female sergeant, and her name was Debbie Warren, and she really taught me the ins and outs. She had come from a long career in Florida as a sergeant, and she was a sergeant currently in Arizona, so she was my sergeant at the time. So to get started with the story of morals versus policies, and I'm talking Christian morals here, because my morals are based on my Christian beliefs, my belief in the Bible. I am a Biblicist, and I believe what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches us, and the Holy Spirit lives within me and guides me in my day-to-day life. When I accepted him into my heart so many years ago, he 
has dwelt inside of me ever since. So that's what I'm talking about when I say Christian morals versus policies in a working environment when you're working for someone else besides yourself. I was booking in an inmate. This was during the daytime. The deputies had dropped her off and she looked terribly ill. She was a heroin addict. She was as thin as could be. She was gray and she really looked like death. She looked like she wasn't going to live long. Now we're going to go back to a minute about Christian morals versus policies. In the sheriff's office, we're not really supposed to talk about religion. But I was booking this young lady in. And she was young. And I had the Holy Spirit moving inside of me. And this was going on while I was booking her. Telling me to ask her about God. Now, we're not really supposed to do that. So I went about it in a way that it was a Saturday. And I said, I am so excited I have the day off tomorrow. I get to go to church. Do you go to church? And she replied, I was brought up in church. My parents would like to see me back in church. But she goes, this addiction has gotten the best of me. She goes, I'm so sick right now. She goes, I need a fix. I'm sick. And I says, I can tell you are. I said, have you ever thought about trying to get some help? She goes, that, that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. She goes, I, I just can't do it. And I said, have you talked to your parents? She goes, I haven't talked to my parents in a while. And I said, oh, I said, that's too bad. They probably worry about you. I know I worry about my kids when I can't see them or hear from them. And she says, they wouldn't want to see me like this. And I said, they would want to see you. They would want to hear from you. I said, I think it's important you get a hold of them. I said, would you like a call? I'll give you a special call to call your parents and so she says, well, let me think about it while we're booking. And so I finished booking her in and I continued to try to uplift her spirits. But she was really ill, very, very ill. And I, she looked on her deathbed to me. She really did. I did get her to finally call her parents at the end of the booking process. I gave her that call. And she actually handed me the phone. And she says, I can't do this. So I got on the phone with her parents and they said, we haven't talked to her for so long. And I says, well, I said, I'm glad you're talking to her now. I said, she doesn't look good. I said, she looks very ill. She really looks like death. I was very honest with them. I says, she's 
I says, do you know her situation? And they says, yes, we do. And in the past, we've given her money, but she just uses it on drugs. And then we don't hear from her. So we've quit supplying her with money because she does spend it on drugs and she won't come home. So I took their number down and I said, let me work on her and see what I can do for you. So I continued to talk with her and work with her on trying to get her home to her parents. And she's like, I just, I have cats. I need to get back to Phoenix. I need to take care of business. I need to go do some things. I'm like, those things are not important. You need to get home to your family. You need to get well. You need to get healed. And she goes, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. So a little later on, I called her parents back because they wanted a call back. And I said, she didn't really commit. I said, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I said, I'll try to get her to call you again and uh, see what we can do about getting her home. And they says, well, we'll, we'll gladly wire you some money if you can get her on a bus home. I don't think the airlines will let her fly, but we'll send the money for a bus ticket if you would kindly take her to a, a bus station. And I said, I absolutely would do that if I could get her to commit to that. So little later on, I was feed, trying to get her to eat something. Her name was Mary Beth. Mary Beth would not eat because she was sick. And anyone that knows about heroin addiction knows it is a nasty, nasty come down from the drug. They're so ill, people are so ill that they have to be medically watched. And because heroin is an opioid, it pretty much stuffs them up. And once they discontinue doing the heroin, they pretty much have diarrhea and throwing up nonstop. And I'm sorry to be graphic, but that's just how it is. Among a lot of other problems that they have. Anyway, she said I could go ahead and make those arrangements with her parents. So it was time for my shift to end. This was Saturday again. I was going to be going to an early church and then back in to work the next day. So I had decided to take my daughter to the show after work that day. And so we went to the show on the way home. I lived way out of town in this little country town. You had to go 17 miles over these curves that dropped you into the country with nothing out there, nothing out there for another 30 miles to Yardnell. No traffic, hardly any traffic goes on that road between Lilhoyd and Yardnell. So on the way home, we get through the white spars out of Prescott and we drop down in to where we live and I see a hitchhiker and I start going a little slower and I look closely and it's, it is Mary Beth out in the middle of nowhere. She had gotten 
released from jail. I don't know how she got released, but she got released from jail. And there she was hitchhiking on the side of the road. Me and my daughter swung, I swung the car around with my daughter in it. We went back and I pulled over and I says, what are you doing, Mary Beth? I was going to try to get you home tomorrow. And she says, I've got to get back to my cat in my car. She says, I, I am sick. I have got to get a fix. And I'm like, wow. I says, do you realize there is nothing? I said, you are out in the middle of nowhere. And there is not going to be any traffic coming this way to take you. This is the end of the road. I turn one street up and then there is nothing but country. I says, you are, you're not going to find a ride. That's where the Christian morals versus the policy and procedure from the sheriff's office kicked in. You see, according to the sheriff's office, I wasn't allowed to have any communication with any ex-inmates. But how could my Christian morals just say, okay, I'm going to leave you out here on the side of the road, knowing there's no traffic, knowing how ill she is, knowing I've talked to her parents, and knowing that she's on her deathbed. Well, I couldn't. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and tells me not to leave her there. So there I was, Christian morals, policy and procedure from the sheriff's office. Well, friends, God comes first. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you know he's going to take care of the rest. When you're abiding in the will of God... He will take care of the rest. He will make sure that you are taken care of. He already knows the outcome before we were placed in our mother's womb. So he's going to take care of us. I trusted the Holy Spirit and I consciously and morally could not leave her on the side of the road. And I had my teenage daughter in the car with me. But I still had to do it. So I took her home. Now, my daughter is used to this. She's not the first person I brought home. She's not the last person that I'll bring home. My door has always been open to people in need. So we took her home. We got her some blankets. We, we got her some water. We set her up on the couch. We talked with her as long as we could. I called her parents and said she was at my house. And they had already wired the money. So I was going to be going into town the next day, picking up the money and getting her a bus ticket home. I had to go into work, however. So uh, my boyfriend at the time came over to hang out with my daughter and Mary Beth to keep an eye on her because, of course, you know, my daughter was there. I didn't want my daughter home with her alone because she's a drug addict, but I still cared about her. So he was there with her and she was getting ready to head out the road. There was nothing he could do. She 
was leaving whether he took her to her car or not. She wasn't going to wait around for that bus ticket. She wasn't going to go home. And there was nothing he could do. And I was at work and there was nothing I could do. And the money was already wired. So I, what could I do? He just, he, he took her. I called her parents and told her, told them that she headed out to her car and I hope that she called them and I would send the money back to them. And they said, just thank you so much. We haven't heard from her. If you hadn't called us, we wouldn't know what kind of shape she was in. And I said, I was so sorry. I couldn't have done more. And I felt horrible. I felt so horrible that I couldn't get their daughter home to them because I just ached for them. I had so much empathy for them as a parent. It was just extremely difficult. So I went and got the money that next day. And of course it was Sunday and I had to get the wiring information from them and this and that, you know, by time I got off work and uh, was going to go in on Monday and rewire that back to them. In the meantime, on Monday, I had to go back to work before I could do that. My sergeant, Debbie Warren says, there's a call for you. And I says, okay. So I get on the phone and it happened to been Mary, Mary Beth's parents. They told me that she had gotten her car and her cat and she was driving and on her way. She said she was on her way home and she had to stop in El Paso, Texas and check herself into a hospital because she was so ill and she passed away. Now, I was at the sheriff's office. You're not supposed to show emotion. I just started bawling. Why did I bawl? Oh, I felt for the parents. As they sat and told me, had I not called them, had I not listened to my heart and done the right thing, they would have never known what her last days were like. They would have never known anything about her or got to even spoke to her on the phone. They were thankful in their time of sorrow. So sad. It's so sad to think about that. Even to this day, it's 2021. This was in 1997. I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes because it still brings those memories so close to the surface. I can remember every detail about that scenario and how difficult it was. I sent the money back and the next thing I got from them, Mary Beth's parents, was this beautiful card with these beautiful orchids on it. And I had sent them a card saying how sorry I was with orchids on it and sent the money back. I didn't wire it, I just sent them a check. They took the money and they 
put it in a memory fund from me. They sent me this beautiful card and they says, how wonderful the Lord is. That card you sent were her favorite flowers, which she planted in the garden when she was younger. And we want to show you what she was like. She was a college graduate. She was a beautiful pianist. The pictures that they sent me looked nothing like her, but they wanted me to have memories of what her life was and what kind of life she used to live before the drugs got a hold of her. They were so thankful. They sent me a tape of the funeral. And this is how God and the Holy Spirit work. They sent me, which they called me, their angel at her end of life. Her special angel sent to give them a message that somebody cared about their daughter with a heroin addiction at the end of her life. Now, if that doesn't bless you and that doesn't tear you up, I don't know what will. Now, you may be asking, did I get in trouble from the sheriff's office? No, I didn't. My sergeant wrote an accommodation letter, and I'm going to read that for you. It says, on 8-1597 at 21.30 hours, detention, Deputy Ball, which is my maiden name, was driving home to Wilhoyd on Highway 89 and approached a woman on the side of the road trying to wave for attention. She stopped her vehicle when she realized this woman was a prisoner who had earlier been released on bond. Deputy Wall was aware of the woman's heroin addiction and the overall poor skin condition and poor health. She determined that this woman would have great difficulty getting further on her own. Out of her sense of humility, she took the woman to her home to safe house her for the night until other arrangements could be made. Through the night, this woman became depressed and shaky, and Deputy Ball and her daughter stayed up with her to listen, to lend counsel, and give warm clothes. The next day, Deputy Ball made contact with her parents, who asked Tammy to accept money from them that they would wire for their daughter, Mary Beth, so she could get on the airplane home to Ohio. Tammy was more than willing to do this. However, Mary Beth Blacklock requested Tammy to take her to her vehicle. Deputy Ball was working, so she had a friend take her to her vehicle. She was supposed to go to Phoenix to close out some business and return to Deputy Ball's home so Tammy could put her on an airplane. However, Mary Beth called and said she was still trying to take care of business and never returned. Her parents were notified of her death when she left Phoenix and checked herself into the hospital in El Paso, Texas. Mary Beth's parents had been in contact with her by phone and had told her they would not send her any money but through Deputy Ball only as they did not want the money to go to drugs. Mary Beth could not comply. It is with enormous pride that I write this letter of accommodation to Deputy Tammy Ball for her humility and heartfulness in assisting this human being in the last days of her life and attempting to save her life. Mary Beth Blacklock's parents have sent a letter of gratitude and pictures and a story of the life of Mary Beth before her heroin addiction. She would have been a brilliant life to save Tammy if only she could have saved herself. Thank you for all your excellent work on the job, but especially going over and beyond your work duty to be a wonderful, moral, Christian human being. 
The time delay in this letter of accommodation is due to a fear that Deputy Ball could get in trouble for aiding an ex-inmate. However, in further thought and reflection and in research in the policy and procedure manual, I could not see any reason for not writing this. In fact, based on the sheriff's philosophy on the best service to the citizens, Deputy Ball may have been derelict in her duties had she not assisted. So what's the moral to this story? this true life story between Christian morals and policies is that you listen to God. You listen to the number one mentor, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to guide you every step of the way. If you're struggling in your Christian business, if you have, if you call yourself a Christian preneur, if you're a new or young aspiring business person that is a Christian and you're just learning to give things to God, I have a mem mentorship program just for you. There's a wait list right now. I only take five people every two months because it's a one-on-one work built and designed, especially for the individual, where they are in their walk with the Lord and where they are in their business and where they want to go. We tailor it to you. So if you're interested in that, please sign up on our page on youministries.com and we'll send you, get you on the wait list and send you the packet. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And that you understand that always our Christian morals should outweigh anything we do and trust and have faith in God that he will see us through and handle all obstacles thrown in our way if you just trust and have that faith. I'll see you back next Thursday. This is Tammy Becker, the Gospel Girl. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to another weekly episode of the Almighty God and Gospel Girl podcast. If you have a testimony you would like to share with us, please contact us through our website at youministries.com. That's y-o-u-ministries.com. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.